Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. On this podcast, rather than reviewing movies in terms of two thumbs up, two thumbs down, loved it or hated it, we look at them to discover what we can learn from them as screenwriters. We look at good movies and bad movies, movies that we loved and movies that we hated. This podcast is provided totally free and with no outside advertising. So if you enjoy it, please share with your friends and write us a review on iTunes. It really makes a difference. For a full transcript, please visit our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. This week, we're going to be looking at Chuck by Jeff Wurzig, Jerry Stahl, Michael Christopher, and Liev Schreiber. What's really interesting about Chuck is that hidden underneath this little character-driven drama is actually an adaptation of three different stories. The first is the true life story of Chuck Wepner's life. Chuck Wepner was a down-and-out fighter who went 15 rounds with Muhammad Ali. And many people believe, although Sylvester Stallone has denied it, that Chuck Wepner's life was actually the inspiration for Rocky. At the same time, it's also an adaptation of the Rocky film. It's a reimagining of Rocky. What if you looked at Rocky not as a hero's journey, but as the story of an anti-hero? What if you stripped all of Sylvester Stallone's American dream sugarcoating off of Rocky and turned it into a story about a guy who keeps on turning lemonade back into lemons? And at the same time, it's also an adaptation of a third film, an old movie from 1962 called Requiem for a Heavyweight. So here we have this unassuming, character-driven little indie film that looks like a simple biopic. But under the surface, there's actually something very complicated going on. An interesting thing about adaptation and revision is that people think of them as different. But I think, actually, in many ways, they're exactly the same. In an adaptation, we take something that is not yet a movie, whether it's a true-life story like the true-life story of Chuck Wepner, a novel, a poem, a short story, a dream you had, an experience from your own life, the story of your grandmother. It's taking this thing that isn't yet in the form of a movie and translating it into a form that is a movie. Similarly, I feel that revision does exactly the same thing. When you're revising a script, what you're actually doing is you're taking an early draft that isn't yet a movie, and the way we know it isn't a movie is that if it was already a movie, you would have stopped writing it. You would have been satisfied. So you're taking a screenplay, a draft of a screenplay, something that's in an early stage of development that isn't yet translated into movie terms, and you're translating it into movie terms. There's also a third kind of adaptation, which we're seeing now more than ever in Hollywood, which is a remake of old movies. And a remake of old movies works along the same principles, which is basically to say, hey, we are going to do this again because it was awesome the first time. But if we do it exactly like the first one, it's probably not going to play. At the very best, we're going to do a slightly worse version of a great movie. So, what is our take on it now? How do we translate this thing that isn't a movie today, because it's already been made, into something that feels relevant and new and fresh today? And of course, this also happens to us often when we realize that something we're writing right now, something new, already either has been made or is about to be made. 
When you realize that your story isn't taking things far enough or when you finally get your script out into the industry and you start to get feedback like, oh, I've read a lot of scripts like this. That is also a time when we're doing an adaptation. We're taking something that maybe was once viable as a script, but in the current market isn't. And we're translating it into something that is viable, that is fresh, that is new within the genre. Chuck is a really interesting example of this because I know I asked myself when I was going to see Chuck, do I really want to see this movie? After all, I already have seen Rocky. And simply selling this movie as the true story of the guy who inspired Rocky doesn't really make me want to go see it. Because my first thought is, well, I've already seen this story. And okay, maybe I saw a more Hollywood version of this story. But is this film actually going to take me someplace that I haven't already gone? Fortunately, once I sat down in the theater, I learned that this movie was going to take me to a much more interesting place. And part of the reason the film takes me there is because of the extraordinary performance of the cast. Liev Schreiber is absolutely wonderful as Chuck Webner. It's worth going to see the movie just for his performance. In fact, if you've seen Manchester by the Sea and you've seen the performance that Casey Affleck won the Academy Award for, you should definitely go see Chuck because Liev Schreiber is doing in Chuck what Casey Affleck is trying to do in Manchester by the Sea playing this troubled, deeply internal character and bringing a layer to the movie that it would have not had without him. Similarly, the film has really great performances by Elizabeth Moss as Chuck's wife, Phyllis, and by Naomi Watts as Linda, a local bartender who ends up playing a really large role in his life. So how do you make a movie about a guy that we've already seen a movie about? And at the same time, how do you take that character and put him through essentially the same movements, the same structure that the character in Requiem for a Heavyweight goes through and still make something that feels like a new movie? Well, the first step is to know what your movie is really about, to know why you are telling this story. Why does this story matter in a world where some people have already seen Requiem for a Heavyweight and in a world where everyone has already seen Rocky? And the writers and director make a very strong choice. We are going to go into Chuck, but we aren't going to go into him with that wide-eyed enthusiasm from which we follow Rocky. We aren't going to see Chuck primarily as an embodiment of the American dream. We aren't going to have epic battle sequences in the ring. We aren't going to tune this guy up and turn him into this incredible fighter who just never had a chance. Instead, we're going to run directly at the truth. We're going to run directly at the truth of a guy who is known as the bleeder because his greatest attribute was his ability to simply keep standing while people wailed on him. We're going to tell a story of a guy who did go 15 rounds with Muhammad Ali, but we aren't going to turn that fight into an epic battle sequence. Instead, we're going to have one moment where he does knock Muhammad Ali down as he did, in fact, in round nine. But we're not going to shy away from the fact that he stepped on Muhammad Ali's foot when that happened. Instead, we're going to use that moment to get under the skin of the character. And we're not primarily going to amplify the excitement of what's happening in the ring, but rather the sheer stick of this guy who just refused to go down, who made it within 18 seconds of getting to the end of a fight with the greatest boxer of all time. We aren't going to turn this guy into a hero. 
We aren't going to clean up his personal life. We are going to see the journey, and there are some spoilers ahead. We are going to see the journey of his real relationship with his wife, Phyllis. And yes, we are going to clean him up a little in that we're not going to tell the audience that she's the second wife. But we're still going to see his philandering. This isn't the story of Rocky and Adrian, these two people destined for each other, who love each other so much that she just can't bear to watch him get hurt. We are watching the story of the guy who has everything, the loving wife, the beautiful child, the chance to go toe-to-toe with Muhammad Ali, but whose need for validation from other people is so strong, whose need for fame is so strong, whose need for women is so strong, that most of the damage gets inflicted outside of the ring. And not upon him, but by him, upon the people he most loves, his brother, his wife, his daughter. The writers make the decision not to clean up his drug problem, not to clean up his jail time. And in a really interesting structural move, the writers merge the structure of Chuck Wepner's true life journey with the structure of the main character's journey in Requiem for a Heavyweight fusing these ideas together in the same way that Rocky and Rocky III took elements of Chuck Wepner's life and then ran with them. Just as Sylvester Stallone allowed Rocky to at once grow from the inspiration of Chuck Wepner, and at the same time to be a separate character with his own wants, needs, and structure, so too do these writers allow the structure of the mountain's journey in Requiem for a Heavyweight and the real-life structure of Chuck Wepner's life story to merge into a unified character and a unified journey that is greater than the sum of its parts. This movie builds upon the structure of Rocky by rejecting that structure, by taking the big fight at the end and not putting it at the end, but putting it in the middle, by turning the training sequence into a story about how he screwed up his relationship with his wife, by telling the Rocky-Adrian story not as a fable, but as a tragedy. So, you can see that Chuck is turning the story of Rocky inside out. It is taking some of the same events and putting them in a different order, with a different polish, in order to tell a different story. And it's doing so because the main character isn't a pull-himself-up-from-his-bootstraps hero. He's an anti-hero. He's a messed-up guy. He isn't a bad guy, but he's a guy whose ego is so fragile and whose need for other people's approval is so desperate that he would do just about anything to be famous. That he will ignore all the people who actually love him in pursuit of fame. And what a powerful place to look right now in our fame-obsessed society. In the hands of a different writer, this true-life adaptation would be a completely different story. In fact, a writer like that, Sylvester Stallone, plays a role as a character in this piece. And in this movie, he plays the same role Apollo Creed plays in Stallone's adaptation of Chuck Wepner's life. Stallone plays a role as a symbol for the American dream. The man who opens the door for Chuck Wepner to finally achieve it. Now, in the hands of a different writer, Sylvester Stallone would have ended up as an antagonist. After all, Sylvester Stallone did take Chuck Wepner's life and make a movie about it and not pay the man a penny. In fact, Chuck Wepner sued Sylvester Stallone at one point and settled the case with him for an undisclosed amount. So there is historical evidence to create Sylvester Stallone as an antagonist. 
But all of this is left out of the movie because this is not the point. It's not what the movie is about. Instead of turning Sylvester Stallone into the easy villain, the writers instead turn to the structure of Rocky for inspiration because they know this movie isn't about antagonism from without. This isn't about a world that beats a man down. This is a movie about a guy who continually beats himself down, who the world keeps on throwing beautiful opportunities, the beautiful opportunity of his wife and daughter, the beautiful opportunity to go one-on-one with Muhammad Ali, the beautiful opportunity to be a star in his own hometown, and finally, the beautiful opportunity to be a star in Rocky II with Sylvester Stallone. Now, I don't know if this scene is literally true or not, but what I do know is it feels emotionally true. Even though the scene plays out with the exact same structure of Requiem for a Heavyweight, the movie that Chuck Wepner keeps on referencing throughout the film as the story of his life prior to Rocky, the movie that is the story of his future, in the same way that Rocky is the story of his past. This is the future he envisioned for himself. And the story of Requiem for a Heavyweight, just to give you a little bit of detail, is the story of an aged boxer. He's no longer able to fight. In fact, he'll go blind if he continues to fight. And he's looking for a job, and he's disfigured, and he has no experience except for fighting in the ring. And he gets an opportunity to become a camp counselor, which is the thing that he really wants more than anything in the world. And on the day he's supposed to go and interview and try to start a new life, he ends up getting drunk and showing up drunk for the interview and destroying this last little glimpse of a positive future, the positive future he actually wanted for himself, a life after boxing. And you can see structurally that Chuck takes the exact same approach. So what happens is Chuck is trying to find Sylvester Stallone. Rather than making him angry about money, which I'm sure to some degree, or at least at some point he was considering the lawsuit, they instead allow him not to be concerned about the money at all. His focus is on the fame. He is so proud to have a movie made about him. He isn't even thinking about the money. Because this isn't a character who's driven by money. This is a character who's driven by fame, by ego. It's interesting that my last podcast was about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, a movie that was trying to be about ego, but that wasn't. And this is a movie, on the other hand, that is actually about ego. This is a movie about a character whose ego keeps on getting in his own darn way. So he keeps on trying to get face-to-face with Sylvester Stallone, and he finally stalks him to a bar where he knows Sylvester is hanging out. And you are thinking, there is just no way this guy is going to get to talk to Stallone. But instead, Stallone is delighted to see him. Stallone is such a big fan of Chuck Wepner. Stallone is delighted to meet Chuck Wepner. And they have this lovely interaction. And Stallone decides he wants to put Chuck into Rocky II. All Chuck has to do is drive down to Philadelphia for an audition. So what does Chuck do? Chuck does just as The Mountain, the main character in Requiem for a Heavyweight, does in that film. Except this time, instead of alcohol, it's drugs. He gets high on coke with his friends and with some girls, drives down with his coked-up entourage to Philadelphia, and without even having looked at the script, blows the audition. So here's what's really exciting. This is a structure stolen from another movie, used to adapt a true-life story. 
This is a true life story used to adapt a movie. And then this is a movie about that true life story written in reaction to both of those movies. Because ultimately, Chuck Wepner's journey is neither the journey of Rocky, nor the journey of the mountain, the fighter in Requiem for a Heavyweight. Rather, it's the journey of a guy who the world keeps giving opportunities, who keeps messing them up, until he finally sees the opportunity right in front of his face. For the last couple of podcasts, I've been talking about theme, and theme is your greatest tool, whether you're telling a true life story, an adaptation, or a revision. Theme is your tool to know what to emphasize and what not to emphasize, to know what details to put in and what details to let go of. For example, if you go look at Chuck Wepner's Wikipedia page, you will see very quickly that he continued to fight, and not just bears, he continued to fight real boxers and sometimes win for quite a while after his fight with Muhammad Ali. But in the movie, all those fights are left out because those fights are just plot The structure of this movie is the guy fights Muhammad Ali, becomes a hero for one moment, and tries to bask in the glory of being a hero, rather than just living his life with the people who love him. Movies don't unfold in real time, and as we adapt, whether we adapt a true story, a script, a dream, a novel, if we try to capture all the plot exactly the way it happens, we are first off, not going to end up with a movie. But more importantly, we aren't going to end up with an emotional journey that actually makes sense. In the real world, life comes at us all at the same time, all these different themes, all these different threads. And that is why life feels so confusing. That is what makes it so hard to make sense of what we're actually supposed to be doing, what actually matters, what our actual values are supposed to be. But in a movie, we only have 105 pages to take a character on the journey of their lifetime. And this means we have to do two things. We don't do these things when we're revising, when we're adapting, when we're telling a true stories. We don't do these things in order to lie, in order to make up a better version of the story. Instead, we do these things in order to tell a more focused version of the truth. In life, all of our themes hit us at once, but in movies, we zoom in on one theme, one section, one little piece of a life that tells us the most important part of the story. Not the whole story, but the most important part to this writer, the part that feels true to you. To Sylvester Stallone, the most important part of this character's journey was the American dream of what it means to rise from failure to success. And that is a true part of Chuck's story. So Stallone takes that one piece and he lets it breathe into a character. And the piece of Rocky is a truthful character. He isn't a fake character. He isn't a bullshit character that was made up for an audience. He's a true character, inspired by a true piece of who Chuck Wepner was and some true events of Chuck Wepner's life. Given focus by the understanding of the writer of what really mattered to him. Similarly, Requiem for a Heavyweight focuses on an entirely different part of the boxer's life. It focuses only on the part of life when things fall apart. Only on the part of life after fame. But the story of Chuck isn't the story of a hero, and it's also not a tragedy about a man for whom it all falls apart. Chuck is a story about the battle against ego. It's a story about what it means to learn what you really have and to stop trying to be who you think you're supposed to be, about what it means to stop looking for the answers on the outside and start looking for them on the inside. 
And so what's really interesting about this film is that it takes these archetypal moments, moments that actually exist in other movies, and it plays them for its own purposes. It integrates them seamlessly into Chuck Wepner's life in the same way that Rocky integrated these true moments from Chuck Wepner's life into the story of Rocky. It takes these elements of plot, but it turns them upside down and uses them for its own structure to tell the story of a man who finds a different future. Part of the process of adapting a true life story, or any story for that matter, is figuring out what to leave out. And it's also about figuring out what to put in. It's about figuring out what internal experiences to dramatize and which to leave boiling under the surface. And it's always about turning life into scenes. And sometimes those scenes are scenes that don't actually exist in the true life story. When I was coming up in the industry, I did a ton of true life stories. That's where I really started. And I worked with good producers and I worked with bad producers. And bad producers always said the same thing. They always said, the truth sucks. You've just got to make it up. And those were the producers who made bad movies and who were always surprised with the stories I came back with, which didn't fit that model. But the best producers were not the ones who said, it's a true story, we can only tell the things that actually happened. Because those producers didn't make great movies either. Because in life, so much of what happens, happens inside of us. In a single moment, lying down to bed, you can have 500 emotions, 500 feelings. But in movies, we can only see the scenes that happen on the outside. If you have a great writer and a great actor with a great internal life like Liev Schreiber, that actor can serve a script that takes a character on a journey and push it to a much deeper level. But if you don't have that journey externalized, if you don't have those big choices, if you don't have that structure, if you're gummed up with true events that don't serve the main story you're telling, you don't get closer to the truth. You get further from it because all those details end up distracting you from the essence of the story. So the way I always look at adaptations is the same way I always look at revisions. I start by saying, what is this movie about for me? What are the things that really happened that matter in relation to that theme? And I always start by building around what is true. I always run towards the truth. But then you do have to have the courage to ask yourself, what are the scenes? What are the internal emotions, the internal experiences that haven't made it to the outside yet? that have to be dramatized, that have to be created into scenes in order for this character's internal journey to be externalized for an audience, in order for us to actually feel what the character is going through, not in real time, but in an hour and a half. In other words, a bad producer will tell you to lie, and a bad producer will also tell you to shut down your creativity. But what a good producer does is tells you to tell the truth, not the literal truth, but the emotional truth by any means necessary to run towards the truth that existed externally in action and to also run towards the truth that existed internally in your character and to find some way to bring both parts of that truth to the screen. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Again, we make this podcast available totally free and with no outside advertising. So if it was helpful for you, please do share it with your friends, subscribe to us on iTunes, and write us a review. It really does make a big difference. You can also get a complete transcript of this podcast on our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. And if you'd like to study with me in New York City, online, on one of our international retreats, or one-on-one as part of our ProTrack mentorship program, 
you can learn more on our website. That's writeyourscreenplay.com. <laughs>